Hello, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. I'm here today with Dave. How you doing, Dave? Hello, Billy. I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing good. We just finished up a, a road trip or a little uh, drive. Not really a road trip, a little Saturday drive. Just took our trucks out. Took our trucks out. Thought we'd do a little uh, debrief podcast on a, on a truck trip that we did there. But yeah, where'd we go, Dave? Uh, man, I don't even know the name of the mountains. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's here in the uh, Eugene Springfield area. It's, uh, it's off the, uh, Marcola. Yeah. Road. Is, yeah. It, is it the Marcola mountain? Or? Well, it's, I think it's Coburg Ridge. Coburg is like the front of that, that Ridge face that we, and then like, well, that's what we see here from like the Willamette Valley when we look up, um, to the front of it, because it has kind of a steep Ridge face, on on the West side on the Eugene side of the Willamette Valley. And then it kind of slopes off as it goes toward the, toward the mountains and the foothills of the Cascades. But yeah, that's what we were checking out today. So we're going up there. I think it's, um, what is it like Brownsville out there? We were kind of getting up close to it. So there's like Marcola and, uh, and like the Mohawk Valley. And then there's Brownsville at that far end. And then I think that's kind of where we came in. We came in from that North side okay. in the two trucks and then hit the forest roads. And then that's where you get to that, that OHV trail system. You know, that area that we like first kind of cut off to and we're driving around. Yeah. I haven't been out there before with any OHV kind of vehicle. We, I, I guess we don't really have one. We should check that out. I'm not sure like what kind of trail systems out there. Is that where you take like your motorcycle or your quad out? I would, I would think so. What, what does the OHV stand for by the way? I think it's like like an off-road vehicle. No, okay. Something like that. It's I guess it's like its definition of just like some Right. Yeah, some I, old, I saw a couple like a dirt of like bike or something. OHV this way, but Yeah. Yeah, I've never I've never yeah. really had a dirt bike to go out that way. I've always yeah. just had the truck. I don't have anything like that either. Um but I think it's something like that or that must be pretty fun to do. There's a few of those uh those offshoots on that road that we were on that I think were just for this OHV. Yeah. Uh, yep. Part of that OHV trail system out there that we couldn't really get out on, but I think it'd be fun to check out sometime, even to like hike out there. Be sweet. I don't know what's out there, but a lot of that stuff like is all forested land, right? Like all the areas that we see all the, the new growth where it's been been clear yeah. cut and then replanted, and so it seems like a lot of those roads, those access roads, are all blocked by gates that like hold that area as private property, or like the signs that we pass, you know, and then you, you start that entrance into a clear cut area and it says. This is all private property. No shooting. Yeah. No existing out here. No trespassing. Turn around. That's one thing I was noticing was uh, just how many private property signs were out there. It might all just be the same, you know, owned by whoever, but just a lot of clear cut areas and then new planted forests, just real yeah. tiny. It seems like a lot trees. of it's been bought for uh, for forestry purposes yeah. over the last probably a couple decades and that they're just... Uh, just running their timber stuff out there, but it's probably a good a good resource for that. I think that the logging industry out in Marcola and then into like Springfield, when you get into those mill areas, like even that one that we we passed where it was, I think it was like that Kingsford one where they just had like a ton of wood chips and a ton of dirt and stuff out. Yeah, yeah, all that sort of stuff. I'm sure. Charcoal bricks. Yeah, it's nuts. But uh, they must. I mean, they must get some of their timber from out here. I don't know how much really goes on still. Though it must. It's kind of one of those things that seems to cycle around a bit too. Yeah, I was I was wondering like what kind of what kind of business plan or business model is that to like grow trees? I hear like, it's great. I hear that like, uh, shoot, I like wish I knew 50 what... years out until you harvest or what, it, what, like, what would their harvest cycles even be? Yeah. You gotta, you gotta have multiple properties and you gotta have, uh, like a strategy to mitigate burns because some percentage of your properties are going to be gonna caught burn, on fire and yeah. be lost. But I hear that it's like 
like the each year that it grows out there, it's like ten thousand dollars of new timber per acre. Some some there's some statistic of like how much value it is hmm. that you gain by investing in the land to grow your renewable resource. But really, right. if you're like a fifty year company, yeah, it works. I guess it works out pretty well to do uh, those forestry projects like that. But it seems like they leverage their debts too, you know, where they'll like have a hold on a property for a period of time and then they'll sell it after it's replanted. So they can recoup the money lost or the money on the lien for the property. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know. It's complicated. Yeah, it seems like they bought these way back. <laughs> and in Oregon, it's it's particular too. I think because of the, what is it like? Do you remember hearing about the uh, the ONC funds that Oregon was like? So that's why like we don't have a sales tax and why we don't have the the taxes the property ta- or the the similar style taxes that other states do is because that money was recouped by the government through these O and C funds and so when the industry in Oregon way back was primarily logging and forestry then what would occur is that when private property was sold for the purposes of being logged it was like one square mile of profit of that timber would go to the company and then one square mile profit would go to the government like the state government here when it was done it was a really effective plan it was really good because it was owned by by the state it's all the state timber that's out here and so that's how they were leveraging that off um, to Mm. be something in a market for the state and how to fund the state and so that's why um, we didn't have to raise taxes to pay for cops way back and that's why we didn't have to have city taxes to pay for you know crap in the in the cities or in the states because a lot of these things were funded by uh, the state money that was coming in through the timber. But then as the timber industry started to close, right. I think in like the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s, and then now there's really like n- almost n- none effectively in the way that it used to be or in the places that it used to be. I was going to say there's a few on TV still. There's a few on TV still, yeah. There's a History Channel show yeah. about it. But uh, yeah, so that's like up in the northwestern section of Oregon, that panhandle of Oregon that goes up toward the Columbia mm-hmm. River, up toward Washington. And uh, yeah, there's definitely, there's a lot of, there's a lot of timber companies. That's, yeah. that's no joke. But what we have seen though is a lot of these timber mills shut down over, the, over a period of time. So that does mean that the production or the, uh, the output of uh, like total volume of timber for the state is down. And I think it's it's marked in like the industry of timber exports in the state being down too over the last period of time. And I think that's why the state's rolled over a lot more toward tourism now. You know, that's why we have like a yeah. tourism-based city yeah. industry rather than an actual jobs. I, <laughs> I noticed that, yeah, kind of picking up as a kid. <coughs> just, yeah. Especially in like Grants Pass. Yeah, Grants Pass about. is definitely... Because that used to be a gold mining town, and then it was a timber town, and then that doesn't exist anymore. So now it's just barely hanging on as a freeway town and a tourist town. And oh, uh, way to go. Place. Way to go, guys. Yeah, they're they're doing it. <laughs> so know. anyway, let's so, get back uh, to... Well, so yeah the, yeah, the ONC funds are, are set up like that, and that's probably what was going on up there. I'm not right. sure how it's set up now, though. There's another place called like Knife River. You pass those gates on your uh, your expeditions out and about. In the back country, uh, Knife River sounds familiar. You'll but. see it on a lot of places. And Knife River, I think they're a big company, they're a big incorporation okay. like across the United States. I'm pretty sure, and they've been on this massive buying spree of private properties over the last two decades because they have this 
future plan, right? That all of these private locations of natural resources are gonna be procured and occupied sooner or later. So they're trying to go out in this huge investment right now to purchase all of these places. So most of the time it's like it's like mountainsides or, or, or areas where they can dig out gravel and like road making supplies, but it's mostly like uh, earth material that they can quarry out. Right. But so they're, yeah, so that's where they're going around and they're buying all these locations where they can, you know, bring in their excavators and their dump trucks and then move out tonnage of raw earth. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. Now that, now that you really mentioned it, I, I have seen a lot, I think that's a lot more knife river, like just pick up. That's what I remember hearing about. Yeah. Knife river. So huh. that's what they're gonna do. The rivers, <laughs> knife, gonna knife them, take knife the river, that river, stab them all, stab the river. Yeah. Well, um, aside from that, it's still a it's still a beautiful view. Beautiful yeah, it was no, it's really go. cool going out there in that area. Well, you see that sort of stuff every every time you go out into the backcountry, or you're trying to take like forest service roads. That's why they were installed, was to to monitor and manage that uh, that land out there. But it's cool to kind of go through it and check it out and, and, you know, check out the different routes and stuff that are around. But yeah, it was fun. I think we went up, uh, toward Brownsville, came back in, hit the OHV trails on the side. And then you can take this road that kind of cuts across the top of Coburg Ridge over toward, I think what's called the Hayworth saddle. That's that dip that you okay, can see right. from Eugene here. If we look out to the top of the ridge and we see that big notch cut out in the side of the mountain, I think that's the Hayworth saddle. And that's where we came up to. I think and stopped and mm-hmm. then it was like fogged in and then we kept going. And I think um, like when we, when we stopped that second time with the view and we could look out over the valley, I think that by that point we were already on the, the south side right. of the saddle. It was trippy though. It was cool. It's cool being out there and uh, driving through. It's first, uh, or well, yeah, we were taking your truck out, testing out some new tires. Yep going out in my truck and uh, that was pretty fun. The new Colorado. The new Colorado, man. It's been uh, great getting used to. It's been it, cool like uh, taking out on the, well, yeah, I think I, I took it out like on that high pass road out toward Junction City for a couple hours and uh, did some stuff out there. But that was cool to check out. Oh, you know, just kind of driving around and getting a feel for it, seeing if I can actually switch back and forth from four wheel drive to two wheel drive, which was actually, it was harder to figure out. It's just a push button. I was gonna thing. say, yeah, you've got you just push, push it, And then it blinks and that means you're in or you're out or something. I don't know. <laughs> Where's where the manual for yeah. the truck? Yeah, it's it's out here. It, that manual is kind of dorky too. It was built by GM and it's just sort of generic for any vehicle that sort of fits oh, really? that type. I remember as a kid, uh, my, my mom had a, a Saturn, which is owned by GM or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I would always <laughs> just sitting in the passenger seat, like waiting for her to to get done doing whatever, just, you know, like ordering food, I'd always grab the manual and start flipping through it because it had pictures. And as a kid, I was yeah. like, yeah, pictures. I see yeah. pictures across. Oh, this is how you put a seatbelt on? Oh, cool. This, <laughs> and like, I don't know, you'd actually learn quite a bit just by being a kid looking at pictures, but. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of those. There's a lot of like the cheapest drawings that they could make yeah. in this document of like a guy not drinking and driving or something. There's a lot of, the, just, there's a lot of stuff on that. But yeah. a lot of it's about like trucks that are not my model of truck. Right. Like it includes the, the GMC Canyon too. Like the, the, the other model mm-hmm. of Colorado that came out under GMC. Right. <laughs> it's weird. And then it covers all of like the two wheel drive and extended cab and crew cab stuff. So there's a lot of the book that's like not, really documented for me and it doesn't and then when it does get to how to engage four-wheel drive 
it doesn't really get into it very much. It just says, press the button when you're in drive. Push the button. Push the button and you're in four-wheel drive. Push the other button, you're out. Yeah, that sounds crazy. Give me those levers. That's what I want. Just click, click, done. (laughs) Little shifters. But yeah, it's pretty good though. I think, do you remember way back the Colt Vista, how it had that push button engage four-wheel drive yeah did that do anything yeah it engaged four-wheel drive it, it had this like beep it sounded like you were like arming a missile or an ejector seat injection ejection seat injection seat yeah yeah like it would be in james bond or something you remember that like gold gold finger oh uh, yeah I do. Like I do remember that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and you like ejected the guy flipped the top of the shifter off hit the button boom boom <laughs> yeah the uh the camaro has just a it's an automatic, so it has a push button top, and I always love just when I'm driving, just clicking it, just pretending like I'm firing missiles or something. <laughs> Blow off the just, passenger side yeah. of the T top and eject that guy. Yeah, boom! You're out of here, buddy. He's gone. Yeah, that'd be a pretty violent moment, though. I feel like it would blow because, like, whatever rocket that's propelling the guy out of the seat, I feel like would burn up the driver too. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, it's that's a good. <laughs> you just get that's lit. Got to use like compressed air or something, and just didn't MythBusters do? Uh, an episode like that or something where they try to make an injection seat yeah they could do it they put him on jets yeah they could do it totally totally camaro should have one definitely oh man all the time should have been a standard feature you mean it's not you can't fool me (laughs) that's what that button really did (laughs) but yeah it was good taking this truck out it was fun uh it's fun jamming around and uh, putting it putting in four trying to back it up over pretty regular terrain really but uh, yeah, I was fun. gonna say it wasn't. Dave, too you took bad. a couple risky uh, little bumps. Did I? <laughs> so, no. Did I? I was gonna say no. <laughs> no, just uh, you know, little, little pull-outs. <laughs> oh yeah, there Sli- we are. Slightly going up just a raise. A couple banks on the side yeah. that I was like, well, I'll drive up this because I'm in a truck. Boop, 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 boop. Oh yeah, that was pretty. I tough. mean, you have to, you have to get out and enjoy it a little bit. No, it was fun. I'm glad that we uh, we got out for a little while. It was cold today, though. It was so nice. It's been like uh, summertime for the last three weeks. Yeah. And now we have the storm system come through. The day we decided to go it's camping. Icy. Yeah, we were going to go camping to get today, but it was cut short, and so we just decided to do a uh, a truck trip. But it was good, though. Yeah, we cruised through Coburg Ridge and then uh, stopped a couple times, stopped for the view a couple times. It's cool from the top there. You can look out west across the Willamette Valley. You can see a lot out there. Today, in a couple spots, it was clouded over just because that's where... At the top of the ridge, that's where the uh, the cloud system's just like running into the side of the mountain right there. So right. it's foggy, but really you're on a mountain, so it's like a cloud hitting the mountain. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's cloudy, but uh, but there's a few other spots where we had a good open view of the valley looking out. You could see like a lot of the sun uh, ref- or the sunlight reflecting off the top of Fern Ridge Lake, oh, which yeah. is out there on the west end of uh, of Eugene. There, it'd be cool. We should go out there again soon too to Fern Ridge. Yeah, you haven't been out there too many times. I've right? I've never actually been to Fern you know, Ridge. Yeah, it's kind of choppy. It's sort of sort of. It's what just it's, it's for. a man-made lake. So yeah, it's just but kinda... there's a couple of side parts that are cool that are a little smaller. They're like a slough or something, I guess. But it's really quite big. It's like a big pond, and because uh, well, you saw how big it was out there from the mountain yeah, top. Like, I didn't think it was that, that big. Yeah. It's like from that end, like the the north end of Eugene to the south end of Eugene. Gonna say it's like the it's whole miles. size of. Eugene pretty much yeah it looked like a big spot and it's a long section yeah it'd take a long time to paddle across but we should go out there we should take the kayaks throw them in the back of the truck and then uh, you should meet me out there and then uh, we should paddle around a couple sections absolutely now that it's nice out fair weather well hopefully it's still I think it's still going to be raining for the weekend ugh yeah, this weekend I think Tuesday's when it tops out best weather it's like 78 or something like that again but next time we get a nice weather system in I think next weekend maybe 
we can figure something out. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be pretty sweet. It'd be fun to do. We should do some more truck trips, figure out another spot to go. But yeah, Kobe Ridge was a, uh, a good drive today. It was fun. Cruising all the way down, came back into Marcola and then just uh, jetted out, hit through Springfield and then made it back here. We used the ham radios this time because yeah. I don't have the CB. It worked pretty well, but like, man, the hams, like you're talking about, I noticed a few times where the distance gets just a little too too large. and Even just you lose that line of sight around the corner, and that's that's enough to, to yeah. completely break up the signal. Yeah, the, they're not, um, what is it, The uh, I think the wattage, the output wattage, it's just not very powerful. Right. The, the transmitter is not going to be very powerful on that, that little handheld unit. And then we're inside the cab of the car. And I hear a lot of the signal from the antenna gets attenuated by the internal metal of the car. Most of the signal doesn't that's get to transmit thinking, outside yeah. the windshield. And that's why it's good to have or necessary to have like a real antenna that's propagating antenna. That, yeah. that signal if it's at a lower power output outside of the vehicle. And that's what helps you out, out the most. That's why like, CBs help us or, you know, you can get a stronger signal through. So uh, when I was hanging out material. the window with the ham, that was probably better. Yeah, it was, that was, it was done that the whole yeah. time. No, it was good that you did that. <laughs> Definitely best, best RF environment we could have been in. Nice moves, Dave. Yeah. You figured it out. Well, I think that's just about everything that we had to talk about for this episode of the Billy Newman podcast or what is it? The Billy Newman photo podcast. Talked a lot about photos on this podcast. Thanks. <laughs> got him. We did you take, take a picture, right? Did, I took a couple pictures. Yeah, Dave, yeah, so Dave took perfect. a picture on this one. That's what it's interviewing. But yeah, everybody, thanks for listening. And uh, Dave, thank you very much for being my guest. And no everybody, uh, I guess, check out the podcast on the website. It's BillyNewmanPhoto.com. You can check it out on iTunes if you search for it. I think it's also on like Stitcher and a few of those other things too. But on behalf of Dave Swanson, my name is Billy Newman. And thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. <laughs>